Hello and welcome to episode number 108 of AV's Ripping Wax Packs podcast coming to you from Searcy, Arkansas. I'm your host, Aaron Vaughn, and this is the show where we rip open a wax pack every week and discuss that year and brand of card along with the players in the pack that we open. Along the way, we'll shout out some of your comments as listeners, discuss nostalgic stories about cards or players that come to mind, and spread the pure joy that comes with ripping open wax packs. Also, we will have a weekly segment called Kurt Facts, when Brother Curtis researches some players from the previous episode and shares those interesting facts on with y'all. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and most podcast platforms. New episodes drop every Thursday. Our Twitter handle is at Ripping Wax Packs. Our email is rippingwaxpacks at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is Ripping Wax Packs. And on YouTube, just type in AV's Ripping Wax Packs to see the portion of the podcast where we rip open the pack from the podcast. We're always looking to promote veterans' charities. Please contact us through any one of the outlets I just mentioned. We'd be happy to discuss a partnership to help veterans and their families in any way that we can. Also, please give a listen to our sister podcast, CVs Tend to Check Out. It's a music podcast produced by Curtis and me that comes out once a month, sharing the joy of music and hoping to help listeners discover unfamiliar bands or songs they might want to look further into. Check it out right after you listen to this podcast and like, review, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Remember, for both podcasts, if you comment, like, subscribe, or review, your name will be put into a random drawing for free prizes each episode. For AV's Ripping Wax Packs podcast, you'll receive cards from the podcast and free wax packs. For CV's Tend to Check Out, you'll receive some kind of prize that has to do with music. So join in on the fun. Um, this week, we'll be, we will be discussing 1992 Pinnacle baseball cards, um, and we'll do that um, Right now, and then we'll have our Kurt Facts segment, and then we'll go back to the YouTube part of the podcast where you can watch us bust open the 1992 Pinnacle Pack, um, and then we'll finish up the podcast. It's just how kind of how it goes, and we'll uh, let you know who won the free wax packs and cards from the podcast during the YouTube segment, as long as I don't forget. Every once in a while, I forget, so just bear with me on that. All right, 1992 Pinnacle uh, was the um, Pinnacle's inaugural issue. Um, and it was produced by Score, so I'm going to read that again. 1992 Pinnacle was the brand's inaugural issue, and it was Score's first attempt at a premium baseball card product, because that was happening at this time, these new premium products with um, photo-like um, glossy cards, um, and so they were trying their hand at it. It was a 620-card set released in two 310-card series. I think we have a, yes, a Series 1 pack. Each base card featured a black background with white accent lines and a color player photo. This black finish was condition sensitive, which made gem mint copies difficult to find. Card backs featured a white border and black background with an anti-counterfeit barcode in the bottom center, which was unique to the Pinnacle brand. Listen to this. A special ribbed plastic lenticular detector card was made available that allowed users to view the word pinnacle that was hidden in the anti-counterfeit barcode if the card was legitimate because there were so many cards that were being um, duplicated and printed uh, that weren't true copies um, and they were trying to be sold that way. Kirby Puckett was the official spokesman for the cards and appeared in a television commercial for the set. There were seven subsets, 92 rookie prospects, idols, uh, sidelines, draft picks, um, shades, grips, which are like grips of um, that pitchers used on certain pitches, which were pretty cool. I was looking those up. 
and technicians. Notable players with rookie cards in this set were Brian Jordan, who also played football. I think Kurt did a bit on him, Curtis uh, from Kurt Fax. Jeff Kent, and then Manny Ramirez, and we called this the Man Ram Search episode. Being a Cleveland Indians fan my whole life, and Manny Ramirez played for the Indians, he had some great years there. I mean, amazing hitter. I ended up um, going to the Red Sox and then I think the Dodgers, but maybe somebody else. But, man, he was a great hitter for the Indians. Distribution of 1992 Pinnacle were um, the wax boxes. We had 36 packs per box, 16 cards per pack, and each pack was $1.99. So two bucks for a pack of cards. Unreal. Super packs at 16 packs per box, 27 cards per pack, and those were $2.99 a pack. Unbelievable. So um, trying to see here what Manny Ramirez's card number is. I'm pretty sure he's in Series 1. So we're gonna, that's the one we're looking for. There's all kinds of um, Hall of Famers um, and stars. Um, but like I said, I, I love watching Manny Ramirez hit, so that's why I called this the Man Ram episode. And I do think that it is, yeah, we have uh, draft picks. Manny Ramirez is number 295, so it will be in the first set. So that's the one we're going to look for. Um, we're going to go ahead and... Go do the Kurt Facts here. So Kurt's going to come on here in a, in a second. And then after Kurt Facts, we'll go bust open the pack. And so stay tuned for that. But right now, we're going to swing it over to Curtis for the Kurt Facts. Take it away, brother. Hey, everybody. It's Curtis here to bring you another round of Kurt Facts. Uh, this week, I decided not to do a throwback player because there were a couple of uh, players that were pulled from the 1993 Upper Deck uh, pack that... I thought would be interesting to look at from the perspective of their uh, possibility for the Hall of Fame. Uh, the first one was Manny Ramirez. He's a former outfielder who played in the majors from 1993 to 2011 for Cleveland, Boston, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Chicago White Sox, and Tampa Bay. He was well known for his tremendous power he generated with his tree trunk legs. And the story goes that he grew up poor in Washington Heights neighborhood of New York. Um, so before school each day, since he didn't have um, the equipment and so forth to work out, he'd get up around 5 a.m. and people would see him running the streets with a rope tied around his waist and two old um rubber car tires being drugged behind him. And so he has said that that's how he built his leg strength. Uh, this showed his dedication to improving himself physically, even if he didn't have real workout equipment and, and so forth, because he was certainly um, didn't have some of the luxuries that a lot of us do. But <clears throat> he would later be involved in steroid scandals several times that showed that, you know, he had that same drive but he didn't always do it the right way. And as his skills were diminishing towards the end of his career, he kept trying to hang on to his major league career and, and kept getting busted for doing steroids. Um, in fact, he um, <clears throat> instead of taking a 100-game uh, uh, suspension, he went ahead and retired on the last time that he got uh, busted for steroids. Um, 1994 was actually his true rookie season in terms of major league service. So maybe that's why this card says he was a rookie. Even if it wasn't his true rookie baseball card, he still could have been a rookie uh, player because he hadn't played enough to uh, lose his rookie status. 
Anyways, I watched him play every day for Cleveland throughout the 90s, and he was truly one of the most clutch hitters I've ever seen. His 21 grand slams being third on the all-time list and his 29 postseason homers being first on the all-time list highlight his ability to hit in the clutch. He also holds the Cleveland Indians all-time single-season ribby record with 165 that he did in 1999. I've always been more about runs batted in than homers necessarily because I think you can, um, when you drive in runs like that, even if it's not with a home run, it's way more important than a one-run homer is way less important than a two-run double or, or whatever. This guy truly was one of the most gifted right-handed hitters that I've ever witnessed, but he is also probably one of the worst base runners and maybe just as bad outfielders I've ever seen. And it's probably, it just seemed like he lacked the focus to play in the field and to run the bases, but yet he had so much great focus when he was up at, at the plate. Um, and a 12-time All-Star, two-time World Series champ, and one-time World Series MVP, he compiled career stats of a 312 batting average, which is 88th all-time. Imagine that, a guy that hits tons of home runs and, and actually had over a 300 batting average as well. We don't see that much anymore. I'm hoping maybe we'll start seeing that again with uh, the shifts being taken out of baseball now. He had 1,544 runs scored, which is 58th all-time, 2,574 hits, which is 90th all-time, 547 doubles, which is 34th all-time, 555 homers, which is 15th all-time, and he actually hit a home run every 15 at-bats, which is 13th all-time. He had 1,831 ribbies, which is 20th all-time. Again, you see that that um, being up there in RBIs and what a clutch hitter. And he had an OPS of 996, which is 12th all-time, showing that he could get on base and hit for power. In the 111 postseason games, he batted 285 with 29 homers and 78 ribbies, which is strong when you talk about having to face the number one pitchers of a team almost every time you go out there. Uh, yet he has not received much support for the Hall of Fame, most likely because of the steroid issues, and he was also kind of considered a one-dimensional player, a great hitter that really couldn't do anything else. But if you just look at the stats... He's probably deserving of of the Hall, and we know that there are lots of players in the Hall of Fame that uh, were well-known for cheating and things like that. So uh, it's kind of like with Barry Bonds. It's We're in a different era now where, where the writers take that a lot more of that into consideration. Also then, finally, Carlos Delgado. He's also polled, and he's he was a former first baseman that played in the majors from 1993 to 2009, so about the same as Ramirez, and most notably with the Blue Jays. He holds the major league record for the most homers by a Puerto Rican player at 473, and he is one of only six players to have 10 straight seasons of 30 or more homers, and he also holds about 13 different Blue Jay career batting records including homers, ribbies, walks, and doubles. A two-time All-Star who is in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, he compiled career stats of a 280 batting average, 1,240 
one runs scored, which is 155th all-time, 2,038 hits, which is 267th all-time, 438 doubles, which is 81st all-time, 473 homers, which is 34th all-time, 1,512 ribbies, which is 55th all-time, and a 932 OPS, which is 42nd all-time. And he was also known as a stellar defensive first baseman. These numbers probably measure up with some players that are already in the hall, but he did not receive enough votes to remain on the ballot, and so he is no longer eligible. But playing during the steroid era, he was known to be a clean player, and he continues to make the world a better place by supporting hospitals in his homeland, and particularly in providing toys to children in hospitals all over the country, and he also is a big supporter of education by donating, donating money and his time to underprivileged children in inner city schools. So even if he's not in the Hall of Fame, he's uh, doing what's important in real life. The, the game is fun, but he's doing things to help in a lot more positive way. So that's all for now. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you, Curtis. And now we're going to go over to YouTube and bust open the pack. 1992 pinnacle here's our pack <clears throat> it's black mostly it's got looks like will clark on the front of it even though kirby Puckett it says is a spokesman I wonder why they didn't put him on the front oh well 1992 major league baseball player cards um series one 16 cards per pack a lot of them were 15 so the 16 cards per pack in their premiere edition it says it's the first time they're doing these um quality cards as they're called <clears throat> open that up they were pretty cool looking cards though, and I could see why they'd be condition sensitive because of the black borders. If you look at the black borders, it's really easy to get little white nicks on them and stuff like that. So, so they're black, black border, nice picture on the front. This is Gary Gaetti, and it says their team name, Angels, at the bottom, and the position they played under Pinnacle there, it says at the top left, and it says third base for him. Um, and then on the back, it's a lot of black there with the white. Uh, typed writing there for um, has one year of their stats and then their career totals so they didn't put everything um, every stat on there but one stat from the year before and then their career uh, totals uh, a little bit of information about him him and uh, um, a little side note there and then his um, you know what whether he bats right or left or whatever all that kind of stuff so um, pretty cool card though it's got another picture of him on the back. I'm thinking it's going to be just their face on the back. All right, next we have Juan Samuel. Yep, it's got the picture on the back of the face. Next we have Tom Browning. You see these little, you can see little nicks. You might not be able to see it well on there, but like here's a nick right there. Just that white is so hard to, to get these when you send them in to like you know, the grading companies to get a, a 10 gem mint. Just tough because of the black borders. Any black-bordered cards like that. Andy Van Slyke, and they were a little glossy because this was their, um, they're trying to make these super premium cards. Kevin Seitzer, trying to cash in on that <clears throat> super premium card thing that was happening at the time in the 90s. Lenny Webster, and here's a sideline. So this is a, um, a special insert card. It's cool that we get to see this. It says sidelines up and down the side there. And it's Jack McDowell on this. I think Curtis has talked about him before. This is really cool to see this. He's a guitarist. And um, I know he had a, I can't remember what it was called, stick figure. Or I can't remember what it was called. Curtis will help me out. But he um, 
Jack McDowell was in a band, but he was a guitarist. I uh, can't remember what it's called. I know he's tall and thin. It had something to do with sticks. I can't, I can't remember the name, though. So Curtis helped me out on that one when you listen to this. So that was him there. Here's another uh, insert. Um, it's Robert, uh, Roberto Alomar, and it says Shades. I guess it's just players wearing shades. And then in the shades, it's got a picture of them in action. So pretty cool. It's different. It says Roberto Alomar on the back, just really big. So we've got a couple inserts in there. That's cool. Dave Valley. Here's a cool card. I don't think it's his rookie card, considered his rookie card, but it's really cool. 92 rookie prospects. Jim Tomey, Hall of Famer. Unbelievable home run hitter and just hitter in general. Great eye. Great player. Awesome tribe. Tribesman. Um, Brett Butler. Great leadoff hitter at this time. John Cruck. Another guy hit 300 for his lifetime. Got a great story about how he... Um, I think finished uh, hitting 300, and it was in the middle of a game. I think this is true. He was in the middle of a game. He hit 300, and then he walked away and retired, so, and he had a 300 average. I think that's right, but, but Kurt might want to look that up. He's a funny dude, John Cruck. Jose Offerman, Mike Sharperson, Jeff Montgomery, and Joe Sluzarski. That's a pretty cool pack. No man ram, but that's, that's a good pack. All right, and our winner for those cards there and um, um, and, and some free wax packs is Andrew Horn, episode 108 there, Andrew. You'll be getting some cards, so appreciate your uh, support. And we'll go back and finish up the episode. Thanks for tuning in to the YouTube side. All right, thanks for listening, and if you watch, thanks for watching. Um, Remember, you can contact us in the following ways. Our Twitter handle is at Ripping Wax Packs, and our email is rippingwaxpacks at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is Ripping Wax Packs. And on YouTube, just type in AV's Ripping Wax Packs to see the portion of the podcast where we rip open the pack from the podcast. And remember to check out our other podcasts. CVs tend to check out a music podcast that comes out once a month. We're always looking to promote veterans charities, so contact us to learn more about donating to veterans and their families. And thanks always to Curtis for researching for the Kurt Facts segment. Uh, the list, the listeners just get a kick out of Kurt. They love the facts that he brings and the uh, seriousness with which he takes it. So we appreciate you, Kurt. We love you. Thanks, man. Um, this has been AV's Ripping Wax Packs podcast. This is Aaron Vaughn thanking you for tuning in. Have fun, be safe, love one another, and keep God first in your life. Have a good one.